Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, the theatrical cut. I'm Terry and as ever I'm joined by Sonia. Oh hey Terry. <laughs> Sorry, did I, did I sneak up on you there from across <laughs> the table? I was reading text messages. Ever the professional. It was about the Strictly results. <sighs> Dubious, um, shocking. Um... Uh, no, not really. I, we won't talk about it because Dan will uh, be flying into a rage uh, whilst he's listening seconds to this. Seconds in. Yeah, seconds in. Dan will be livid that I'm talking about Strictly results. So, uh, my lips are sealed. So, here on the Theatrical Cut this week, we're going to be talking about the, the cheeky little chappy that you just heard laughing, Mr. Charles Lee Ray, or Chucky, as he's more commonly known. The Chucky, star. as he is to his friends. Yeah, to his, to his friends and his victims. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, the Child's Play films... Uh, and then next week we will be talking about Jason Voorhees and the Friday films. Um, but obviously, as always, we'll start with our weekly roundup. So, Sonia, what have you been watching? Well, before we start the weekly roundup, can I just say, um, if you check out our Instagram, um, what is our Instagram account? Theatrical Cut Pod. Um, we've just posted up a little video of Terry's thoughts on the new Doctor Who episode because uh, he is a super fan and. First female doctor is a very important uh, television event, in my opinion. Oh, very um, much so. I'll be putting my views in writing um, to my local MP, um, <laughs> but also on my Instagram. So um, <laughs> I'm going to write to the lead singer of Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, let's go straight into the weekly roundup. It's not a massive weekly roundup compared to the last episode. What's wrong with you? <laughs> to my local MP, sorry. <laughs> Did J- I make just you tickled laugh? me that, yeah. I'm glad you laughed. Um, yeah, we haven't got a massive weekly roundup because um, it turns out we've both been watching Charles play on Friday the 13th till the cows come home. Um, to be fair, there are, what, 28 films of them <laughs> combined? So um, uh, we're going to start with a film that we saw together at the cinema. Was it an anniversary? Is that why it was a on? A 20th anniversary screening, yes. 20th anniversary screening of The Big Lebowski. Um Now, I was convinced I hadn't seen this film before. Um, and when I did the usual thing of going onto Google Images to find a picture to put on my Instagram, I realised that I've seen the film many, many times. <laughs> and I was getting it confused with the film it, Kingpin, which I've also seen many, many times. I mean, they so, both have bowling in them. I swear, every time I sit down and watch The Big Lebowski, I go, oh, I've never seen this before. <laughs> and then I realise that I have. Um, but first time seeing it on a big screen. Very much so for me as well. Um, I would... I mean... What's there to say? Maybe, maybe you're probably a better person to give a summary of the film because you know I'm not very good at these things. Um, so it's. I liked it. Oh, I loved it. It's a film I forget how much I love until I'm watching it again. And I think seeing it in the cinema with like a big crowd mm. that really enhanced it. Cause there was so much laughter. I mean, every time John Goodman's character said, Shut the fuck up, Donnie, there was mm. a lovely little ripple of. Uh, but of also, also, with things like that, when they do like anniversary showings, I feel like you have. Um, like big fans of that movie mm. going to see it it's not like um, if you just go and see a film that's currently out where yeah. you might just have like the general cinema viewing public as it were the scum <laughs> as I say that the uh, <laughs> the mouth breathers um, you you essentially got a screen of yeah, big that, Lebowski fans yeah. Um watching it so it's it's just a different you know ambiance very much so um but I, I mean, yeah uh, i liked it a lot 
Yeah, I mean, it's just a feel. I love Jeff Bridges, and this mm. was literally just a, a role that he was born to play. I think most of the wardrobe apparently is his own, including those lovely jelly like slipper things that he has, like the clear plastic. Um, but it's just, it's just such a considering how horrible some of the setup is. It's just such a nice film. You've got like the weird little musical montages that kick in. Yeah. Um, well. John Goodman's character is like the odd comedy relief with his PSD <laughs> Vietnam mm. vet and then Donnie who's just absolutely ripped to shreds at every, every possibility but I mean if you haven't seen the film Jeff Bridges plays the dude who is also known as Lebowski what's his actual name? Is it Jeffrey? It is isn't it? It's Jeffrey he's Jeff Lebowski yeah. and he comes home one night and two men accost him in his flat bog washing him and pissing on his rug because they think he's the big Lebowski who's a millionaire and they want money from him be- because his trophy wife owes money and then the dude decides to go on a quest to get a new rug from the actual Lebowski because that rug really tied the room together yep. and he just gets drawn into a sort of it's almost like a detective noir film hmm. but with a stoner who bowls and drinks white Russians Yeah, and it's just it's just magic um, I forgot about. I don't ask me why. I always forget about Julianne Moore being in it and yeah. being hilarious. Um, but the scene towards the end with the ashes cracks me up every time, <laughs> and I started laughing in advance because yeah, it was you like did. building up. Um, and I just—it's such a sort of um, like that gag's been done so many times. But it's—it's it's just I, I love I it's love just that gag. It's perfectly done because Jeff Bridges' reaction to it. The fact, I think even the first time you know it's coming because Walt is just such a sort of, he's coming from a good place, but he's such an ass. You mm. know he's going to fuck, because the fact they've got him in a coffee can rather than in an actual urn because they didn't want to pay out for mm. the urn. And the fact that Walt always managed to piss off or fuck over Donnie, you just knew it was going to go wrong. And it's just, oh, it's just magic. And the the way he just stands never, there and he's dusted him down afterwards. The fact as well that, you know, he's never said that he'd like his ashes to be spread <laughs> in the ocean <laughs> but they were just like we think that's what he might like yeah um, oh. yeah cracking film worth, worth a watch on the big screen oh yeah definitely for the Atmos I Defo. reckon uh, so that that was good um, then I watched um, I watched Jigsaw because it was on Netflix um, yeah Terry's making a face at me um, yeah it was oh, uh, I saw it at the cinema it's about um it's like Saw Part 27 or something like that, isn't it? I think it's 28. Um, oh, I've missed one then. Um, no, I like the Saw films, um, even though they got, you know, just... They became gornography in the end, didn't yeah. they? Um, I've never heard that word before, I like that. Oh. Gorno or gornography is what they tend to get called. Oh. Yeah, I like that. I've just always called them horror porn. There you, go, you can have that. Yeah, gornography. I like that. Um... I mean, I don't like that. That's generally what makes me turn off. But um, I've stuck with the Saw films um, up until Jigsaw um, because it started off so well. So I've always thought like really forgiven it. I still it. think even around the gore, there was still an attempt at story. There's some films mm. you watch, like Hostel, that's just gore. Mm. Whereas Saw still tried to have a, like, a story and a plot. Um, but Jigsaw, I, I, you know, whatevs. And, you know, and at the end, the reveal of sort of who's doing it because there's always yeah. one person is it who jigsaws helped yeah. I, you know I saw that coming a mile off um, 
So I was just kind of, I was almost just like waiting for it to finish. You know, it feels it really felt like they weren't trying to make a film; they were trying to reboot yeah. so that they could make more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll because pro- I've got all the other Saw films. I'll probably pick it up cheap to have I've, the mine set. Mine are in the box set, so I don't feel the need <clears throat> so much. Oh, okay. No, I've I've been buying them as they come out, so um, yeah, I probably will uh, pick it up cheap to go as part of the set, and then. Um, so after that, so we had the highs of The Big Lebowski, the lows of watching Jigsaw on the Netflix, and then I went to a preview screening of A Star Is Born. Um, now I know you've seen it. I have since I've seen it. I saw it. it on general release. Um, now I was really excited about this. Um, I've been waiting for it to come out, and you know every trailer that I saw, I knew that I wanted to see this film. Mm. The same. Um, and I went to see the preview of it with my mum. So I remember the first trailer I saw um, was with her because I turned to her and I was just like, that, you know, that just looks like a film that we would love. Um, and I have to say, hands down, it's straight to the top of my, like, films of the year. You know what my film of the year is already. Uh, you should do. I've gone a blank phantom thread of course how the um, fuck did I forget that <clears throat> did you forget that um, and at the moment A Star Is Born is is up there with it I thought that um, I thought that both leads were amazing yeah I would agree I thought that the songs were incredible I thought the concert footage was incredible um, I loved the story I thought I'd seen the Barbara Streisand version of A Star Is Born but I, I'm pretty sure now that I've seen this version of Star Is Born that I haven't seen a film version of that story. So I'm not sure how much it because this is actually the fourth version. I didn't realise. Yeah, but I think the the basic story is the same. It's the the mute that like yeah. they've put original songs in. So obviously, you know, I think they came out what in the 30s, 50s, 70s, and now yeah. this one. So um, obviously, they're going to well. Obviously, but I think the first it's... couple he was like a TV celebrity mm. and helped her, whereas obviously in the most recent two he's a musician helping her. Yeah, um, I, I I loved the way it started with um, you know Lady Gaga's character Ali uh, performing in uh, a drag club. Yeah, um, because you know she is, you know, well she's a gay icon. She's a she's a drag icon and um it was i was sat there um this will mean nothing to you terry but um uh it'll mean i remember texting lucy straight away and i sat there with my mom and i was just like oh my god it's shangela because it was some of they had some of the queens from drag race the one who on got it their boobs signed no that was willem um and i have willem t-shirt i should have worn it for you tonight i'm not wearing it um but yeah so shangela's the one who was sort of like running the club and willem's the one who was like sign my boobs and when she turns around to him and he's like, what do you want me to sing for you? And he sh- she's just like, whatever you want, just look at me whilst you're doing it. And I was just like, oh my God, yeah, that would be the dream. Um, but I thought her in that club singing La Vie en Rose um, was just brilliant. What an amazing performance. Because apparently she's done that in her own... Yeah, I saw that. That's Bradley Cooper her saw her do it. Saw and just her like, do that. You've got to do that in the film. That was great. Um, just just everything about it I've, I've just found them so believable I was really gripped on the story I loved the characters I thought he was amazing his voice I really feel like his 
singing voice almost sounded like and i don't think he was doing this but almost like a jim morrison impersonation a little bit i feel like he was just going for like epic country because yeah yeah yeah. but i just think if you closed your eyes and listened and didn't know Mm. who was singing i'm not saying you would think it was jim morrison i think you could think that's someone yeah no i'd agree taking on but also his talking voice because apparently he had to have a bit of vocal training his voice is definitely deeper because he sounds a lot like sam elliott i wasn't sure if that was like a deliberate thing because they obviously they yeah they talk in the film about you stole my voice yeah i wasn't sure if that was a piss take on what he'd done to his voice um but yeah, the voices, the songs, and oh my god, the ending, the the very final scene where she looks right at the camera, and the film ends, and the you, the the screening that I was in um, was just silent, and after a couple of seconds, because hands up, I'll admit I was crying, you could just hear people round round us crying, um, and it was just such a it gave me chills watching I'm getting chills just thinking about it now it was incredible what did you think now you're going to kind of go I agree with you for the first half of the film oh god everyone's been saying this I think her rise and like their getting together I agree I think I was astounded about his voice and her acting yeah because in in, um, American Horror Story how she got um, an award for her role in American Horror Story, I do not know because it was basically like watching a very well dressed piece of wood. Okay, yeah, I I had no problem, and I think sort of slightly off that she is beautiful when she's just like Ali. Yeah. Like, because I'm not a fan of Lady Gaga. I am. But as Ali, I was just like, she just looks so amazing, just like with her plain brown hair, a bit of makeup on, not like all tarted up. But yeah, I lost it, not lost interest, but it started to wane for me when she got big and she went into like generic pop but didn't you think as well those because he kept saying to her about like singing from the heart and sing like you know sing songs that you mean and then when when she started to sing those kind of like empty pop songs it's almost as if they'd they'd managed to write such incredible songs for Jackson and Ali to sing and then they it was almost as if they've gone out of their way and they've managed to write a couple of the most annoying shit yeah. pop songs. Because it's like, oh, what are you doing with your ass in those jeans oh, or I know. something? It was so that, shit. Like the Saturday Night Live performance, I was literally like, what the fuck is going on I know. On here? Those songs are rubbish. And it's actually, yeah. I think it's a little bit embarrassing that they're actually on the same soundtrack yeah. with the other songs. Um, but I have to applaud them for writing songs that are as shit. Do you think they were the aiming up- for shit or they were aiming for... Because the thing that struck me... No, I think they're aiming for the kind of songs that were out now, but I think they've managed to get songs that are as shit as the other songs are as good. Yeah. Because, like, the country songs, it, for me, the first, like, literally the opening where he's just, like, strumming mm. up, it was really, like, a Ryan Bingham concert because obviously he does a lot of that. Yeah. Just, like, playing out. But it was, like, she basically became Lady Gaga, and that's not where I saw her going because all at the beginning it was all, like country like I say full yeah, of heart yeah. about their relationship and then yeah she's talking about someone's genes she's dyed her hair a funny colour mm. I feel like there was a lot cut out of this film because I thought like the c- conflict would come from her becoming like this pop star and betraying like her roots and stuff mm. like that but that doesn't come up at all and he's it's just very one sided because it's like he seems like he's trying really hard he's sort of 
almost gives up because as soon as she becomes big, we stop seeing him performing music and it's just about her rehearsing and stuff like that. And like the whole thing about his ears didn't seem to come anywhere. That seemed like there was stuff missing from mm, that. I don't know. I kind of felt like his career... The, the way I understand the story is the way, or the way I, I was seeing it was his career was coming to a natural end. But he's selling out like massive concerts. As, yeah, he was. But then that started to like drop off because he was getting... Um, like the the venues weren't as big as they had been yeah. and then you know he was getting asked to go on TV shows but not as like a front man yeah um but say so that just seemed to come a little bit out of nowhere and say like he I thought it was going to be that he wasn't supportive of her he wasn't turning up and he wasn't doing that but he completely was and there's like there's only really like one big argument between the two of them where she's in the bath mm. and that's it for me seemed to come out of nowhere because at first I thought they were having a joke argument and then it just escalated to a point it's like okay no they're not joking now and it just seemed I don't know it just that whole second half of me and the ending hmm. just left me cold and like you said like her, her face I really really didn't like that song he wrote that for her I did not like that song at all and I've I've subsequently listened to the soundtrack hmm and I still agree with his songs and their songs together at the beginning are amazing. And once you get over the halfway mark, just has no substance for me, including that last song. Like the best one is the first one they write together that he like drags her on stage for. Mm. But after that, but no, I would agree it is an amazing film. For me, it's not like film of the year. It's very good. I would imagine both of them will be Oscar nominated, and I wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't I'd, be I would surprised give them the if, yeah, now. if either of them won. I wouldn't complain. I think they're both very good, but. The ending was just a little bit... See, I found the ending... I I wasn't expecting that to happen. No. At all. I wasn't expecting that ending. Um, and I obviously did like... I obviously did like the song at the end. Um, I found it really uh, moving. Um, yeah, for me, it was different. I, I just... obviously got something different from it. I kind of could... I felt like as you were watching it... Uh, not like years and years and years, but time was obviously oh a long passing. time had passed, yeah. And I just felt that as you were watching it, you could see his career decline, and you could see. But I think a big part of that were his uh, sort of like, you know, drink and drug habits, yeah, um, like kicking in as well. And you know, potentially, I mean, there was that one gig that he was at where he could barely play, yeah, and potentially he he was getting gigs and shows and he possibly just not turning up for him because he's too fucked yeah. um, so I felt that you could see the decline in his career and you could see the decline in his relationship in their relationship sorry because well, no, you could although, see it but although, I just felt like it so I didn't feel escalated like that, more yeah I didn't feel like that argument came out of the blue I could almost sort of see not almost see I could see that he's going to these things and he's supporting her and you could just tell from the look on his face he wasn't even like saying anything or doing anything he's just looking at her he was just disappointed and it wasn't like he was saying anything to be like judgy or anything like that he just knows that she's got good mm. songs inside of her and what's she doing churning out this oh yeah. why I nearly quoted a Dolly song then <laughs> why'd you come in here looking like that um yeah I, th I think I think it's amazing um really really good can't wait to go and see it again um so let's move on from star is born then let's draw a line under that um and because i was on such a high from seeing that 
I was so happy. I was elated. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was dreaming about Lady Gaga. I mean, that's kind of like a regular thing for me. But this time, Bradley Cooper made some appearances as well. Um, and so just to like dumb it all down, because you know I don't like to be happy. Yeah. Uh, I went to see The Nun. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying. At first, I was annoyed you hadn't taken me. And then I heard what you thought of it. And I didn't mind. Um, what a pile of shit that was. Um, Any redeeming features? Uh, some of the trailers were okay. Um, I thought about going to the toilet partway through. Someone next to me was coughing, and that made me laugh. Um, I uh, where do I start with the nun? Um, part of, you know, part if you don't know, it's part of the Conjuring uh, series of films. She rocks up as uh, an evil spirit in uh, The Conjuring and she's now got her own film, probably films. Um, uh, it's a story about um, this evil spirit and a, and a trainee nun. I think that's what you call her. <laughs> trainee. A trainee nun. She's wearing a bib. Uh, she's wearing white uh, as opposed to the black. Um, so a trainee nun and a priest go to sort of investigate these deaths um, and they, you know, find out it's caused by this evil spirit and you know shit happens and Valak and uh, and it finishes and uh, it's 90 minutes of my life I'll never get back um, I could talk more about it but if I'm honest I watched it a week ago and it's kind of gone from Did my brain did it even like, make bit. you jump or anything there was one jump in it and um, I'm I was annoyed at myself for even jumping, so I would love to have got through it having no jumps. But yeah, there was, and it was a, it was a classic jump. Like she backed, so white nun backed herself up against the door. And you think, oh, something's going to come through the door, and the nun bursts through the door and grabs her. And I was like, oh, and that did make me jump. But um, <laughs> potentially, I might have been nodding off, and that made me jump. But no, um, I thought, I thought it was, it was, it wasn't poorly acted. But it was just, oh. It was just a, it was just a film about nothing. There was a bit of comic relief from this. Um, what was his job? Some French Canadian guys in it, and uh, his nickname is Frenchy, and he's got a crush on the trainee nun. Um, and there's a bit towards the end where she's kind of drowning, so he has to rescue her and give her the kiss of life. Um, and as she comes to, obviously, he's had his lips to her lips. And he says to her, oh, I was, you know, I was giving you the kiss of life. It wasn't a... And then she says, Frenchie, like that, as if it was to be... Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, even the jokes are fucking shit. Frenchie, what's your real name? I can't even remember his real name. But, um... And he was just like this really terrible comic relief in it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, is this a... Is this a comedy? Is it a no? It's not because it's not funny. Is it a horror? Not really. Cause it's not really that scary. Um, the most um, interesting thing I found was when I went on to IMDb afterwards. The character of the nun, the evil nun, I thought was um, heavily made up. And actually, the lady who plays it, oh no, she's got quite be, the nose, isn't looks she? Looks to be very tall and has quite the pointy nose. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, beyond that. I mean, I've given it one star on my letterbox. That's probably generous, if I'm honest. I won't be buying this as part of my little conjuring, conjuring collection. Universe. My conjuring collection of two films. Um, I won't be purchasing The Nun when it comes mm. out. Um, and that's my weekly roundup. Not much for me. No, what no, have you seen? A few more from me. So 
after the big Lebowski I watched a film that my friend let me and been banging on about how good it was for a long time so I finally caved and watched it a film called Brigsby Bear I was going to say, I'm sure you had that ages ago. Yeah. Um, I noticed that on your to-watch shelf last time I was round. Yeah, yeah, I've I've had it off him for a while and just not got round to it. So this is quite an odd film. So it starts off and it's like some sort of weird alternate future slash... It's not a kid's film then? No. Oh, okay. Um, some sort of weird alternate future slash present where people live in like cocooned houses because they can't go out because the, the air's poison, it's toxic... Uh, you've got this mother and father and son. I mean, he must be in his like 20s. Um, and all he has is this Brigsby Bear cartoon slash live action shit TV show. And he that gets sent to him in the post every week and he gets a new episode and like that's sort of what gets him through. He's all about Brigsby. He's got like, a Brigsby shirt, a Brigsby duvet set. Um, and then one night, um, the police turn up, drag him out, and essentially, he was abducted as a child by this couple, mm. and they've been keeping him in this cocoon thing so that no one know, knew where he was. And actually, it's set now; everything's how it is now, and he's like put back with his actual family oh, that okay. he hasn't seen for twenty odd years. And he finds out that Brigsby Bear isn't real; his fake dad was making it. <laughs> it's really odd. His fake dad was making it, and like for him, hmm. and it's just like this really odd thing. So it's him like coping back with being in the real world meeting his sister that he can't remember his parents that he can't remember and the fact that like, he doesn't know anything so like a TV is mad to him um, he goes to the cinema and he's just like oh my god look how big that TV is and it's just like it's got that sort of lovable family film thing and basically he can't cope and he basically decides because obviously for him Briggsby left on a left on a cliffhanger because it finished mid-episode when he got dragged out oh, okay. he decides he's going to make a Brigsby Bear film to like help him with closure yeah. and at first the family are like oh you just need to forget about Brigsby and in the end they all sort of come together to help him film and it's just one of those like nice feel good films um, no one's like nasty to him hmm. like you, you sort of expect him to get bullied and stuff by people but everyone's like really sort of nice to him and sort of caring and helpful to him and it's just it's just like a nice film it's not brilliant but it's probably about 90 minutes there's a couple of good laughs in mm. it it's got quite a good cast it's got Mark Hamill Greg Kinnear um, someone from Parks and Rec whose name I can't remember Claire Danes is in it it's mm. just just a nice little film okay um, if, if you can pick it up cheap I'd give it a watch uh, or I could borrow yours it's not mine it's gone back to the owner now oh I borrowed it off someone didn't I get you a film with Bear in it? Yeah, I bought it for him for his birthday oh. and then borrowed it off of him. Hmm. Yeah, sorry, that's the one that got away. Uh, then I rewatched Deadpool 2 because I bought that on Blu-ray nice. and Gem hadn't seen it. Um, Did you get a steelbook? No. Steelbook was UK, the 4K thing and it was like 30 quid. Um. I can't be doing with that. If it was really, really... The only one that's tempted me was the Shape of Water one, because I know they do have Blu-rays in them as well, but Deadpool one didn't didn't jump out at me that much. Um, still really enjoyed it. Still, the best bit is still the X-Force jumping out of the plane. Oh, lovely scenes. That's just magic. Yeah. Absolute magic. Uh, I won't go on about it too much. I like the invisible fella. Yeah, he's good. Um, <laughs> is he? <laughs> the, the one thing I found out as well you know when Cable first arrives mm. and there's those two rednecks who van he steals mm. that's Alan Tudyk and yeah. Matt Damon 
Oh, I recognised um, Alan. I didn't recognise Matt Damon. Yeah, four hours of makeup. <laughs> well, how did I recognise one of them then? I knew it no, was so him. No, I think I Alan Tudyk is just like normal. Yeah. But Matt Damon had like four hours of makeup. I'll look afterwards. Yeah. So, interesting fact. That is an interesting fact. It's on par with the nun fact. Yeah. I think so. Uh, and then after that, I had a spiritual moment with films. So this is something that was meant to happen two years ago. Jen bought me tickets for my birthday. And oh, then I thought you meant you watched like the Bible or something. Oh, no. And <laughs> then um, then we got pregnant and the showing for this film was like four days before the due date. So we couldn't go because it was in London. Forgot all about it. And then literally two days before it was due to happen, someone at work was like, oh, I'm going to see this at the weekend. And there were still tickets. So I bought them. So I went to the Royal Albert Hall to see Jurassic Park with a live orchestra. Lovely. And it was fucking amazing. I say lovely, I'm saying this in really, because someone um, at work actually went to see that and they went through the whole programme and was just like, would I go to something like that? And I was like, honestly, no, because I wouldn't spend that much money on a ticket. To so see it, a film. it was a lot of money. It was 60 quid a ticket. Jesus. But it's it was obviously on my comfort films. It's in my top five mm. films ever. And as I've said on the podcast, it's my favourite soundtrack, my favourite like theme tune. Hearing that as a light with a live orchestra, literally my entire body went into goosebumps, and it was just That's a lot of goosebumps. Yeah, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of me to cover, um, but it was just absolutely phenomenal. Just the acoustic of the venue. Where was it? At the Royal Albert Hall. Okay. And one thing that just tickled me, the seat the seats swivel. Is that your first time at the Royal Albert? It Hall? It is. Yes. Jem had been before because she's been there with kids because obviously a lot of kids perform there at Christmas and stuff. <laughs> but know. I was literally just sat there for about five minutes swinging wildly from side to side on the seats because I could. Yeah, I bet the people around you loved that. I was on an aisle, luckily. Oh. Because um, I got the aisle for the extra legroom and boy did I have legroom because I spun and I literally could stick my legs right out into the aisle. Mm. Lovely bit of banana cake from the calf as well. <laughs> Absolutely spectacular. <laughs> Spared no expense. Because um, it was like 11 quid. Not just for the cake. Two drinks and two bits of cake was 11 quid. Um, but yeah, absolutely phenomenal. It's a film, I didn't think I could love it anymore. It's on the, It's. I enjoyed that more than Dark Knight at the IMAX. How big was the screen? Normal cinema size? Normal cinema. I think it might have been a little bit bigger. Mm. Um, it's pretty big. Yeah, it, it literally took up like one wall, basically. Mm. And it had subtitles as well, because when the music obviously really kicked in, you couldn't hear the actual film itself. Um, but I mean I spent a good part of the film just watching the orchestra because I've seen it so many times yeah. I was just watching the orchestra and it was just absolutely phenomenal if you, if there's a film that, with a soundtrack that you like and they Candy show Man. it I've already chosen my one have, are they doing it? no I can't but I'm just those. saying if you yeah. ever see it because I'll I want you... to see because I've never been able to afford Philip Glass tickets <laughs> if you ever see Candyman with an orchestra <laughs> yeah I'll give you a shout I think the next one they've got is Prisoner of Azkaban yeah, Harry Potter not interested it's got to be Philip Glass and Star Wars A New yeah, Hope not interested. but not fussed about any of those uh, so then I went into the spiral of Chucky and Kex file and Jason other than A Star Is Born and then also I went and saw Venom oh yeah Terry I want to hear your review of Venom so I opted out of Venom because it was on at quarter to nine uh, which means it will start at quarter past nine it's over two hours long and that's just too late for me yeah so I think I got home about eleven half eleven yeah but you live spitting distance oh yeah I I could roll there in five minutes (laughs) and it's uphill um (laughs) So what I didn't realise, that was opening night, so it was packed, other than the one seat where Dan didn't turn up. Mm. So we had a seat on the end. Uh, the person, so I was sat in the middle, we had 
fan club Rich and Stevie, the side of me. The other side of Rich was a man who was clearly having the time of his life watching this film. He laughed at everything. I think he's a regular there. And one of those really irritated <laughs>, laughs with where they literally just start and end like that. And it's just like, that's not a laugh. You're just like, it's almost like a reaction rather than a laugh. Maybe um, he's got Tourette's. Quite possibly. He was with a woman and I was trying to gauge whether it was his carer or not. And I think by the end of the film, it wasn't his carer. Um, so for me, this film had a similar feel to The Predator in that I think it was aimed at the same like 15-year-old teenage boy hitting puberty. Just It was just... It's weird because I would put this on a par with Skyscraper, but I didn't have a 15-minute rant in a car park mm. about this because I was expecting this to be shit. I oh, went, were you? I went in with low expectation and they were met. Mm. Whereas Skyscraper, I had expectation that it might be enjoyable. There's a there's one bit that made me laugh in this film. And for the most part... Is it meant to be funny? Yes. Oh, okay, I didn't know it's, that. It's, it's, I've I didn't seen get it, that from I've seen it being described as like a buddy cop, as like a buddy movie, but... Okay. With the same person because obviously okay, Venom yeah. inhabits Tom Hardy and he talks to himself or someone Venom... yeah I did have to get someone to explain to me like I don't because I don't you know I'm not into all that yeah. comic stuff so I was so, just like what is Venom but anyway so it's Venom is a symbiote who is from the Spider-Man universe what's a symbiote it's something that lives off someone else parasite it's, yeah it's a parasite but okay. they're called symbiotes he doesn't like being called a parasite that's one of the running jokes of the film okay um so in the comic books, the symbiote crash lands on Earth, bonds with Spider-Man, and it sort of gives him enhanced abilities, even more so than his Spider-Man mm-hmm. abilities, but sort of corrupts him, makes him... I mean, if you've seen Spider-Man 3, it's where you get emo Tobey Maguire, um, and makes him do things that he wouldn't necessarily do, become really self-confident, and he gets rid of Venom. Venom then attaches himself to Eddie Brock, and becomes like a, almost like a bad Spider-Man, and he wants v- revenge on Spider-Man. This film doesn't have Spider-Man in it. Spider-Man is never mentioned, never referenced, never heard or anything. Mm. So the fact that Venom looks like he does makes no sense because he looks like he does because he's been attached to Spider-Man. But there's multiple symbiotes in this film, and they all look the same, so that's how they've got around it. Um, but basically, you've got this weird guy who's based sort of on... Elon Musk, the Tesla guy, who's trying to like reach out and find a planet we can live on. He's found these creatures, brings them back, and he's trying to make them work. Tom Hardy, the opening 15 minutes of this film is one of the worst 15 minutes opening to a film I've ever seen. So it tries to set up that Eddie Brock is like this amazing reporter who everyone loves. He gets to the bottom of stories. He uncovers things. He makes people go to jail. He's got this amazing wife played by Michelle, or sorry, fiance played by Michelle Williams and they have this amazing relationship they go on date nights they leave early because you know they're going to go home and have a bit of the old rough and tumble um what Michelle Williams is doing anywhere near this fucking piece of shit I don't know because she is awful in this film (gasps) I know because you'd think oh she'll be the best bit in it she's awful Tom Hardy is awful Riz Ahmed is awful everyone in this film is awful it's got a shit story with shit characters not my Michelle. She's just... It is properly like... She's just... I mean, she's not even up to the standard of damsel in distress as a character. So anyway, then Eddie Brock goes to interview Elon Musk and he's been told, you can't ask him about this or that. He just wants to talk about this. You can only ask him about this. Just do your job. Don't fuck it up. Mm. He obviously probes about things he's not allowed to. Loses his job. 
Um, he asks question based on something he's found on Michelle Williams's computer because she's a lawyer for the company. So they find out that obviously he got the information from her. So she loses her job. They split up. It then cuts to six months later. He's now some sort of hack. She's moved on with another guy. Mm. And he ends up bonding with Venom, as we find out. He's actually called Venom as well. That's his name. Um, and it becomes a little bit shit at that point. The, <laughs> the CGI... The CGI is not very good. It looks like computer-generated effects. When you can, when you think of things like Avengers, where they can have a 17-foot man with a purple chin and wrinkles, and it looks real, this is just awful. What did I call that Avengers film? Uh, the Man with the Purple Face. That's it. No, I don't think it was just The Man with the Face. <laughs> um, you knew who I meant. Yeah, I've spent too much time with you, Sonia. That's the problem. Um, so he becomes like an anti-hero in this. He wants to eat people... They have to, basically the whole plot is that the symbiotes want to come to Earth, take over some people, go back out, get the rest of their species, and come and like take over the Earth. And for whatever reason, Venom decides that I don't want to do that anymore. I like it here. I'm going to help you save the day and save Earth. So it's just, just so throwaway. Mm. Um, it just shows that Sony have no idea how to make comic book films because obviously they fucked up the last couple of Spider Mans, and everyone thought, oh, maybe it'll be all right now because you got Spider Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just awful. It's like there's so many shit jokes that is just aimed at like 15 year old mm. boys. And don't get me wrong, people in the crowd were lapping it up, but me, Rich, and Steve did not like it. It was dreadful. I wouldn't discourage people from going to see it. If you're interested in seeing it, you might enjoy it, but it just didn't hit any buttons for me at the all. F- the fact that you've uh, given it such a bad review makes me want to see it. Because um, <laughs> I remember asking you afterwards I remember texting you and saying what was Venom like and you said your actual reply was you have dodged a turd shaped bullet <laughs> um, <laughs> by not coming to see this with us um, so I want to I want to say I did assume that Michelle Williams would be good in it but I have to I was telling someone this um, the other day since including and since he uh, portrayed Bane I haven't really rated Tom Hardy. I don't rate Tom Hardy as an actor. I rate Tom Hardy as a face. Um, and besides his little turn in, I don't know when Legend came out. I didn't mind Legend. Yeah, I think that's about the um, same time as Bane. And I think he was good in Peaky Blinders. But film-wise, I what, think he's just been making bad choices. His, I mean, I don't think Fury Road was a bad choice. But then he filmed him. that about 10 years ago, didn't they? They filmed that years before yeah, it came out. Yeah, I don't think that was a bad choice for him. I think he was a bad choice for the film mm. um, because you know that I don't really rate him in that. And I, as time's gone on, I've realised that I don't really like Tom Hardy as an actor that much. And I remember seeing the trailers and just thinking, this is a It's right. a very odd portrayal he gives Eddie Brock because he is just so unlikable at the yeah, start. I and just, he doesn't I really... Couldn't, He's yeah. given him an odd accent. He does go English when he shouts. It, it, um, he doesn't seem to know where he's from or what no. voice he's doing. So we've, we've talked about the Stafe doing that before. Yeah. Sort of like, I'll just let him speak in his normal accent because he's terrible at them. And I think um, Tom Hardy's a bit the same. Whereas I think he, I think he's better at TV. Yeah. Because um, Taboo is supposed to be brilliant yeah, as well. But his that. films of late... I yeah, I been... mean, I did read that he it took this film because his son likes Venom and he wanted to make it for his Is son. His son? Yeah. Is he married? Yeah. He's married to oh, Charlotte something. 
You know he did that TV, the Martina Cole TV series no. quite a long time ago where he plays an absolute wrong and he like shags his brother's wife and he rapes a woman and spits in her face. That's his wife. Oh, lovely. And they met making that. <laughs> Make of that what you will. <laughs> he spat on her and she married him. Yeah, wow. he rapes her and then spits on her and gets up and walks away. That's I mean, I'm my, assuming that was scripted. That's where my dates are going wrong, obviously. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, are, would, we, are we done with Venom? Yeah, 100%. Right. Let's move on to the uh, the main body of the show then. Let's so move on to Charles Lee Ray. It's October. It's the best month of the year. It's Halloween. Um, it is. And it is... If you're a horror fan, it is Halloween for the entirety of October. There's no one day. I mean, it's, horror, it's just, always horror for me. But Every day is Halloween for me, yeah. Um, but specifically, October is a very, very special month for Terry and I. Um, and we decided to talk about horror icons. Um, why did we choose Chucky? I think we... Because we looked at... So the big ones we're looking at is Jason, Chucky... Michael Myers, Pinhead, and Freddy. Mm. And Chucky's one of the smaller franchises, despite the fact he has seven films. Yeah. So initially, we were just going to try and watch as many as we wanted. So we put Jason with 12 and Chucky with seven together so that mm. it was smaller. And then it was going to be like Michael Myers and Pinhead together because there's a few less hell. Well, there's actually about 500 Hellraisers, but we'd, we already from the get go said we weren't going to go past three for Hellraiser because they're all shit after that. But, um, so that's why we went initially but then we changed tack and we decided that we would make sure we watched one to three of, of these franchises them, yeah. and then I mean I haven't seen any of the other Fridays which I know you have but I've seen all of the Chuckies you've so seen we can Freddy vs Jason haven't you yes I've seen I haven't seen now I haven't seen four to eight but I've seen nine ten and eleven mm. and twelve um, yeah I just I hadn't seen like the original batch but we'll get so, on to that more when oh, we yeah, get to yeah. Jason we're, we're not talking about Jason first are we? we're talking about um, Chucky so um, I'm a massive Chucky fan I've got oh, a lot I love that little bastard I love that little bastard I've got um, a lot of Chucky shall we say memorabilia I think I've bought you a couple of little Chucky dolls yeah I've got Chucky dolls I've got Chucky plush toys um, a favourite thing of mine is a giant uh, Chucky cushion Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 which is shaped like um, his head. It's really big. It's about as big as a pillow, but the back of it is all just like his hair. Yeah, it's a lovely, um, lovely cushion, that. Um, and I used to insist on having it on the sofa in the lounge. Um, but when an Optimus I'm, Prime one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, got that as well. Um, but when I moved into the house that I'm in now with Lucy I remember had, I'd, I'd moved some of my stuff in and I had my stuff in my room and I remember she went in my room to put something in there she just said oh, she said to her sister oh look this is Sonia's room and they opened the door and all there was was like a Chucky <laughs> doll right there and they were just like fucking hell Sonia she's like yep welcome to my world I've had um, people tell me that they're going to stop following me on Facebook and Instagram for the month of October because they're freaked out by all of these characters like you're just going to keep posting stuff aren't you I'm like yeah so what is before we start talking about um, child's play and Chucky, um, what is it? Because I personally am not freaked out by dolls and puppets or anything like that. What what is it that you think people find freaky about dolls and puppets? I think it's because because it's the same like clowns as well. I think it's yeah, but they're paedophiles. Yeah, but it, I think it's something that Probably. everyone has. 
So like, probably everyone has got a doll or something like that in their house. Mm. Not necessarily like a ventriloquist dummy, but like, I've got action figures all over my house. We've got loads of teddy bears from Daisy. Mm. And the idea of them coming to life, I can imagine being quite creepy. And it's like, I guess it's like something nice becoming something horrible, maybe. Yeah. Because obviously, although obviously towards the end, Chucky looks fucking awful. Hmm. But to start with, he is a good guy doll. Hmm. He's your friend to the end. He's got that lovely little smile. He's got his little freckles. So it's just the idea of something that nice that you like turning around and and being a, a vicious serial killer, hmm. I guess. Um. Yeah, I did quite... Um, the good guy dolls I do um, find quite interesting because I don't think they are a nice looking doll to begin with do you know what I mean they're kind of funny looking yeah um, but I think that was just of the time isn't it that's what they yeah, that's sort of what dolls looked like in the 80s um, but they've obviously tried to add some kind of weird looking element I think he's got much it. bigger eyes than a lot of other dolls and a massive head what I found really interesting well I'll, I'll tell you um, so in the first film I was under the impression that Andy was six and then in the second film we don't, well, I don't think we find out his age but in the third film <laughs> eight years have passed and he's now 16 which means he is eight in the second film but I thought the second film came directly after the first film so one and two pretty much I think there's weeks in it because he's like in care in the second so one so he's gone from being a six year old to an eight year old within the space for a couple of weeks I might be mistaken there but in the first film Chucky is as big as Andy this yeah. doll is as big as a six year old yeah and I'm just thinking how what, what I don't remember I had dolls when I was younger. And I, don't, I don't think he is because there's bits where he carries him. I think like he's... Yeah, he's carrying him. He's, he's maybe carrying like, him like sideways. I think he probably needs to head. So Andy's like shins taller. I don't know. It's a there's big not doll. a lot in it. There's not a lot it's in a it. It's a big doll. It's a big doll. Um, anyway, right. How are we going to begin? Well, should we should we talk about Charge Play and the sort of basic premise? I feel like we've possibly covered it. Let's um, <laughs> tell me we are. So Charge Play opens with a gun battle essentially between a cop and an unnamed assailant, who we find out later is Charles Lee Ray, who is a serial killer. They end up in a toy store. Charles ends up getting mortally wounded and doing some sort of weird incantation next to a doll. Clouds appear. The shop explodes. It's struck by lightning. Yeah, it's struck by lightning. And then we cut to Andy and his mum. It's Andy's birthday. He opens this t- box that looks just like a good guy doll. Like, the size is perfect. And it's a box full of clothes. And he's like, fuck you, mum. You are the worst woman in the world. Now, when I was re-watching this film, I, I know nothing about kids. But I know you don't buy a six-year-old clothes for their birthday. <sighs> Certainly not in a big box like that. I know. And she's all like, oh, it just came too late to it. He must have been going on about that for a long fucking time. You know when his Kids go on and on and on. You've known he was going to be six for six years, love. (laughs) Um, So anyway, she's then at work and her friend comes in. You know that good guy doll that you want? Someone, some weird homeless man out the back is selling one. Maybe you could buy this. Yeah, a peddler is selling one. So essentially she buys this doll off the guy. And it is a it is a good guy doll. It's amazing. She pays like thirty dollars when they're worth like a hundred dollars. Andy's over the moon to get this doll. He says, "Hi, my name's Chucky. I'm your friend to the end." And then weird things start to happen. And it's like apparently Don Mancini, like the writer, his first draft there was a lot more. Is it Andy? Is it the doll? Hmm. Whereas the film actually 
quite early on showed you that the doll is at Charles Lee Ray has implanted his soul into the doll and the doll is now alive and killing mm. people um, which I think that would have been a bit more interesting if they had have played with it a bit more because it's almost got like a Babadook feel to it or Babadook's got a Charles play feel because that obviously plays on mm. the mother and the son that strained relationship he's a little shit is the Babadook real is the kid just going mental and is this like, is it is Chucky real of course he's not he's a fucking doll but so the, the first time we really see him, he's being babysat by his mum's best friend, Maggie. And Chucky wants to watch the nine o'clock news because he's going to find out where his ex-partner's fucked off to. Mm. And she's like, no, no, you've got to go to bed. And then Chucky reappears on the sofa with the TV on. And Maggie's like, Andy, don't do that. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't do it. And then you go, what I love with this film is you get lots of little like first person from Chucky's point of view. Mm. So it's a little bit lower and it's like really stuttery camera, like where he's stepping. You can hear the little steps. And in the background, you see him running around. So they used a mixture of puppetry and small people in costumes. Yeah. I think I love, one of them I was... I love the fact that there were small people dressed yeah. up as I good guy I think one dolls. of them was even the guy playing Andy's little sister. So it was like the right height, like from a distance, that like when when he's Andy's climbing around. Andy's little sister? So not the guy uh, oh, playing the Andy, his little sister. I was going to say. Parts, she's playing Chucky. But the first death of Maggie is one of the finest things. The Because this is a film that I didn't watch until probably 10 years ago. And I watched it with a, a chap called Adrian. Who, oh, yeah. Who you may remember. We were watching it on lunch at work. And this scene, we had to rewind and rewind. So Chucky's like making her feel on edge. She's not sure what's happening. He gets a hammer and he throws it at her, hits her on the head. At this point, she's about 10 foot from a window. It hits her. She goes, ah, falls towards the window. Then we cut to outside, and at this point she hits the window like she's been fired from a cannon <laughs> and lands about 50 feet from the premises, even though all she did was get hit by a hammer. Um, and when the police arrive, there's like little footprints in the flower, and it's just, oh, it's just amazing. So Chucky is voiced by Brad Dourif, who has been in many things. He's Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. He's Sheriff Brackett in like the Halloween reboot that Rob Zombie did. He's done so many things. He he himself is like Robert Englund. He's he's yeah. a horror icon. Yeah, he is Chucky. I mean, there's talk of a reboot, and at the moment they haven't said anything about if Brad Dourif is coming back as the voice. He is Chucky. If he is not the voice, that is not Child's Play. That is not Chucky. No. There is talk of a TV series by the original, like not attached to the reboot, mm. which could be quite interesting. Um, but say the thing I love most about this film is the fact that it is all real. Obviously, it's from the 80s as well, so there's a reason why there's not a lot of CG in it. But even through the subsequent sequels, it's all puppetry and real. It's not. It's like CG enhanced as opposed to here is a CG Chucky, which I imagine the new one will probably be all CG. Mm. But it's, I think the first one is actually quite a scary film. It's really creepy the way that Chucky comes at people, the way his face distorts because he's like mm. he looks like a good guy doll, but then when Charles like takes over so to speak and starts yeah. being Charles rather than being the doll he's like his eyes change shape his mouth change his, shape everything he gets like this really sort of creepy horrible look even become dirtier yeah he just it's literally like he switches between being the good guy doll and being Charles and it's just well he oh. does because he has to for you know for certain purposes he has to remain hidden yeah you know, like, his, identi- like Toy Story. his identity has to remain hidden so he has to pose as the good guy doll for a good portion of it um, I um, I disagree that it's scary I don't find it scary at all There's, 
Um, I I love the character of Chucky. I love him as a bad guy, but I just don't find these films scary at all. Not the first one. I don't find the first one scary at all or creepy or anything. For me now, it's just become. It's almost become like comedy horror to me it's definitely a horror comedy but i still feel like there's scares and jumps in there maybe because i've seen it so many times now those scares and jumps aren't there for me but i have a a lot of affection i think on on letterboxd i think i rate it five out of five because i can always watch this film and always love it and i just think chucky is such an amazing character because he's he is so iconic so many people find him so creepy because he's a doll um but but uh, just very quickly because you touched on it, but you didn't explain fully what happened at the start with Charles Lee Ray in the um, uh, toy store at the start. Charles Lee Ray is off. He's been friends with this guy who practices in some kind of witchcraft, yeah, voodoo, voodoo, whatever, and he's been um, Charles Lee Ray has been basically learning how to transfer his soul so that he can't die. Um, and that's what he's doing in the toy store and they're having this shootout and he's thinking, okay, I could potentially be shot here. So he's transferring his soul at the time that the lightning strikes yeah. and hence, which is why he's inside Chucky. Um, and then he's given to Andy as a birthday present and the the voodoo guy tells him that before he turns to human, he's got yeah, to transfer... Yeah, he starts bleeding and feeling pain. Yeah, he's got to transfer his soul into another vessel but it has to be, if he's told anyone of his true identity it has to be that person that he can so transfer to so it's got to be Andy so it's just like yeah I'm going to be a six year old boy again um, what I think is so amazing about this film is the kid that plays Andy is fucking brilliant yeah he's not shit at all Andy is so good um, he's he's just great um, I, I just think it's a very very enjoyable film yeah it's from the 80s it's a little bit corny if you watch it you know it's one of those films if you went to see it at the cinema now and it's got new cinema audience watching it they're gonna laugh at it because they're not gonna get it like we get it you know yeah um but i think i think the effects are good i think chucky looks amazing um i love how andy and his mum are treated because we haven't really talked about andy's mum very much but she very early on sort of you know, Andy's saying, oh, you know, Chucky did it, Chucky did it. And she's obviously devastated that her friend's died. Yeah. So her friend's babysitting for her and falls out the window and dies. Andy's blaming Chucky. The mum's just like, oh, you know, come on, don't be stupid. It's a doll. She decides to throw Chucky on the fire. And that's when she realises... No, it's Ch- before that. Is it? No, she's um, she's not sure... And then she moves the box and the batteries fall out oh, of it. Oh, that's And she it, checks yeah. and he hasn't had batteries in this whole time and she's seen him talking. Um, but she tries to, to burn Chucky, doesn't yeah. she? And all this stuff. But what I love about the mum, if you watch it, every single scene that she's in, she's running somewhere. Yeah. So she's running to the car and then she's running from the car up to the building. She's running up the stairs and she's running along the corridor and everything's done in such a desperate rush. But I love the fact that in a lot of these films, everyone seems to believe crazy shit's happening almost straight away whereas it takes a while for her to like win the cop round and say no this well, is well again I think he doesn't believe her until Chucky actually like comes he sees yeah. Chucky yeah exactly no one believes until they actually see him doing something but I, I like the fact that at the end of it all Andy um, although people have witnessed 
Chucky, Andy and Andy's mum are still treated as if they're crazy. Yeah, as we find um, out in the second film. So what I want to know... Um, so at the end of Child's Play, Chucky is... Because uh, to kill Chucky, you have to go for his heart, don't you? Yeah. He is shot he's been set on fire yeah he's been set on fire so he's burnt and charred and then Had he's his been head shot, blown off. shot into lots of different pieces isn't it because at one point he's like his body's working independently of his head yeah so his head's telling him where to move the yeah. body is Chucky immortal I feel like maybe at that point yes because he's at that point he was still more dull than human mm. I feel like if it had been like six weeks later he would have been essentially like a human stuck at that size if that makes sense yeah but I feel like because he's still plasticky and stuff he can just take that I mean as we go through the rest of the franchise possibly he is immortal Mm. based purely on the fact that he's plastic I don't know because he seems to obviously like regenerate and come back a lot well every time Um, but I don't know that I feel like he's just like I say he hasn't moved on to become human enough to be mortal so he's not necessarily immortal it's just he needs a bit longer to turn that plastic body all the way human but he's pretty fucked up at the end of Child's Play 1 isn't he well as I say he's in like about three pieces yeah and he's burnt badly isn't he Um, so then what happens from the end of Child's Play 1 to the beginning of Child's Play 2 so what happens is so this I say it's pretty much straight away isn't it Mm. so the company that make good guy dolls obviously aren't particularly happy about this rumour that their dolls are killing people and even if it's not true it's obviously bad publicity for their dolls so they decide that they're gonna remake the Chucky doll to prove that it's just a doll and have it as like a PR exercise so they give him a shiny new coat of skin give him new eyeballs give him a lovely little scrub job and what do you know? He comes back to life again, and it all goes off again. And it, ba- yeah, it basically start. You know, it's just Chucky freshened up, isn't it? Yeah, he's literally like factory reset. Yeah. Um, now, I love Charles Play Two. I really, really love it. I love the uh, the first kill in it is brilliant with the, the guy the chairman. With the chairman, yeah, and Chucky basically kills him with all of his own toys. Yeah, because he, he literally like tortures him for a while, and he like sets all yeah, the toys off at him. Basically, um, and it's absolutely brilliant. I even love the fact that he's got like a radio-controlled car, and he drives it so fast at the guy's head, um, and the guy lifts his head up from the floor, and the the little car sort of like crashes into the wall, but it almost blows up. Yeah, you just like it's never going to go that guy. <laughs> he's got like a like a radio controlled helicopter, like, helicopter catches fire it's the same thing it hits the wall and it catches on fire and it's just like how unsafe are these fucking toys <laughs> um, but I thought I thought that yeah that sort of like oh, it's not the opening sequence but the first kill and that whole sequence um, was brilliant doesn't he go on the guy's computer to see where Andy's gone yeah because he wants to try and find out where Andy is because again he wants to move himself over into Andy's body yeah because he's thinking oh you know Andy knows who I am so I need to move him into this body plus he wants a bit of revenge yeah but at this point we find out that Andy's mum is in a psychiatric hospital because she's telling everyone that a doll killed people and Andy's in like foster care um, so we don't see Andy's mum at all, do we? No, That's only it. in um, like pictorial form. Yeah, so Andy's got a picture of his mum, but Andy's being moved to this um, home 
Um, and the the lady who so the first thing that I think is creepy first of all about Child's Play Two is the lady who runs the home plays Laura Palmer's mum in Twin Jenny Peaks. Jenny Agatha. No. Oh no. The, the lady who plays not, the home. Yeah, sorry, not yeah. the foster mum. The lady who runs the home. Uh, plays Laura Palmer's mum and I just think she's a really creepy looking actress and she does kind of like weird quite well she's more creepy mm. as Laura Palmer's mum but that was the the first thing um, and then <laughs> Andy goes to stay with that couple their house I mean I don't know if that must have been the style of the time but what a spectacular house that yeah. is <laughs> so Andy chintzy wallpaper everywhere me, yeah Andy moves into a house which you know is basically a mansion, isn't it? Yeah, it's got about 15 bedrooms. It's owned by this couple who um, decide... I don't know if they can't have children I, th- or I think it's implied that they can't, yeah. Yeah, but they decide that they're going to foster troubled children. Um, and what I find interesting is, is that this couple collect antiques... <laughs> and leave them out. And have them all on display... <laughs> And foster troubled children. Mm. We're just like, oh no, don't touch those. What I also like is the fact that he's just like, no, do we really want him? He sounds really fucked up. Yeah. And the mum's like, no, we can do it. We can do it. So the woman's like really, that's Jenny Agatha's character. She's really keen to look after these kids. And they've got like a teenage girl and then they've got six or is he eight year old Andy. Um, Staying there. Who And and those two, uh, because the girl's called Kyle, I think. Yeah. And they they hit it off straight away, yeah. don't they? They form an unlikely friendship. Because um, she's sort of like she's world weary from the she's mm. been she's like in homes all the time. She hasn't unpacked her suitcase because she's like I'll be moving on soon. And she's sort of giving it real to Andy, like this is what happens. This is what like this is what the system's like. Yeah. Um, but you know, f- they've obviously done their research. They know Andy's troubled and they move him into this, they move him into their house and he's got a room full of toys and nice things and Jenny Agatha's gone gone to the trouble of making him a set of curtains in blue because I bet blue's your favourite colour. Um, you know, and yeah, because all six or eight-year-old boys give a shit about the curtains in their bedroom. Why don't you give him some jeans for his birthday? He'll like that. Um and he opens the cupboard of the the closet, doesn't he? Yeah. And, a, and a good guy, and doll a good guy falls, doll on falls out, and she's just like, "Oh, you know, we get so many." I kids forgot that was in there. I thought that was true. I was just thinking, the things as big as the fucking child. You you know, you basically got a kid in the cupboard. Um, and if you've read anything about this child, surely it says he is accused a good guy doll of killing people. Well, there's, a, there's a clipping, isn't there, in his file <laughs> of you know, kid blames killer doll for everything that's gone wrong in the world. Um, and of course, they've got one of the killer dolls in the closet. Now, this, this doll isn't Chucky. That's Tommy. Tommy. Um, and Chucky finds the house, <laughs> comes, breaks one of the Hummel figurines. Um, <laughs> and by, then kills by, Tommy as well. Basically, which is what I love. kills Tommy by caving in his face with this figurine. Um, the antique figurine that's been in the family for generations. Three generations, yeah. Buries, buries poor Tommy in the back garden and then pretends to be Tommy yeah. because all good guy dolls look the same and it becomes very clear to Andy straight away because Andy's no fool. Um, but it's not Tommy, it's it's Chucky. Yeah. And that Chucky's back and Chucky's somehow managed because there's a brilliant scene where Chucky ties Andy to the bed, doesn't he, with yeah. the skipping ropes. And Kyle, is, they've been grounded because they found the uh, broken Hummel figurine. So foster dad has grounded them. Now, quite what grounding a six-year-old really does, I don't know. I mean, no. do, do six-year-olds go out much at yeah, night? I, I don't know. Anyway, 
Um, but Kyle has a date, so she she sneaks out of the house on this date, and when she sneaks back in, she sneaks back into Andy's room, doesn't she? Yeah. And Andy's tied to the bed. So <laughs> she then gets the blame for tying Andy to the bed. Well, I, I guess mean, she what? thought he was having like a danger wank or something. You know, and Kyle... Kyle's just stood there going, well, of course I didn't do this. What's the other explanation? Oh, the doll did it. So then they're just like, well, I don't really I know. I think that's why it's such a like endearing franchise because it is just like, of course no one would believe. Like, there's other things like, oh, it's the ghost of my great-great-grandmother. Yeah. People sort of get it. It's like, the fucking doll did it. Yeah. Like- um, you know, so foster dad throws the doll down the stairs. So the doll. Chucky yeah. uh, throws Chucky downstairs. Now, one of my big beefs with the film, with all three of the films, okay. Now, maybe it's because I hold Chucky very dear to my heart. The disrespect that is cho- <laughs> that is um, shown to Chucky by the adults in Andy's life um, fills me with rage. I mean, but until they know who Chucky is, that doll is Andy's doll it's Andy's toy and as far as they're concerned Andy loves that doll yeah but they're carrying him by his foot he gets thrown in a bin at one point head first um when he's in the first film when he's being babysat the babysitter who I think is played by the woman who plays Frenchie in Greece but that's just an aside she carries Chucky by his hand right but sort of like swinging him about so he's bashing into the wall and cupboards and things she breaks his arm off right which they then, you know, that obviously didn't mean to happen. But I know it's just a little thing. They all the way through. I'm thinking. No wonder he's fucking no wonder, killing you all. No wonder he's gonna fucking kill you. But <laughs> but, but also, like, if Daisy had a toy that she obviously loved in front of her, would you treat it with such disrespect? No, you wouldn't. No. I don't give a shit about kids, but I wouldn't fucking mug them off like that. You know, I'd be like. Well, I'd be carrying Chucky like it was a baby because I'd just be like, you're the child I've always really wanted. Um, but I'm always... And I know it's all done for effect. It's just like, oh, you know, let's let's throw the doll that's really a serial yeah. killer in the bin. But, um, yeah, in the second one where the dad just lobs him down yeah. the stairs into the cellar. To be fair, though, Chucky gets his, gets his revenge. He's getting dead. Um, that's for sure. Um... What I really, what I really, really love about the second one, and when I said I didn't find the first one creepy, but the second one of those, when you, because you're in the doll factory, then yeah. So Kyle then becomes Andy's sort of like um, partner in crime, doesn't yeah. she? She's the one who's just kind of like she believes. Oh fuck! She realizes that because the foster dad obviously gets offed, doesn't he? Yeah. Chucky trips him up down the same steps into the cellar. Yeah. Uh, so he falls down the stairs and breaks his neck. Jenny Agatha obviously believes that Andy had something to do with it and is sent away again. Back to the home. But Chucky reveals himself to Kyle, doesn't he? Yeah. And she... Well, no, she's... um, Well, she witnesses him. No, because Tommy is buried under the swing and she's swinging and she knocks the dirt and discovers Tommy. But then Chucky tells her, you know, let's go and they they go to the, the care home where... Andy's been sent back to and they the, the three of them so Andy, Kyle and Chucky end up back at the toy factory don't yeah. they um, and that's where I think it starts to get a little bit creepy because what the fuck is that factory it is just I mean there's basically they've got the dolls all stacked up like a maze yeah. so if you were scared of dolls 
you're trapped with dolls surrounding you on all sides. But then the actual sort of like conveyor belt scenes where yeah, they've like got the all, eyeballs getting put in and stuff like that. The eyeballs basically being stabbed into the face. Um, but the the doll parts that are, I mean, it's just the way it's put together. Obviously, I all know. I know it's for cinematic effect, <laughs> but it is the most over-the-top complicated way of putting a doll together isn't it i mean yeah you like the the weird stabbing of stitching the hair into the head and um because i think isn't that opening credits is like we're watching chucky being reborn to so like yeah. follow him through that journey. yeah yeah um because then you've got this whole sort of like end sequence of like andy and kyle trying to get away from chucky and then trying to kill chucky but in this environment where they're on conveyor belts and yeah. there's things being stabbed at them and melted and because yeah, Chucky ends up ripping his own hand together. off, doesn't he? Because it gets stuck under a post and then he just shoves a pen knife into it, so I he's mean, got like a stabby arm. That was grim, wasn't yeah. it? You know, he's put he's put the because again he's starting to become human at this point, so yeah. he bleeds and so he's put he's put a knife in a vice so he can pull the handle off so that he can then stab the blade into the stump where his hand was. <laughs> Now it's getting fucked up. Um, and he ends up with like more legs and arms stuck to him where they put him through one of because the... Because for some reason there's an option on the conveyor belt to hit reverse. <laughs> Why would that be an option? So you've got all the dolls coming forward being made, but for some reason you can hit reverse where we'll go backwards and more more extra limbs will be added to them. So Chucky ends up as a, as a blob with extra arms yeah, and legs. Yeah, because then they just start they? firing the plastic at him. And essentially melt him, don't they? Yeah. Because he so, ends up as a pool with a face. So there's there's a vat of like liquid plastic, yeah, isn't like there? Dull basically, skin. like what? Why? <laughs> you know, why is this thing here? And it drips, and it basically it's like alien blood, isn't yeah. it? Basically, like burns through the floor. So they end up um, pouring that onto Chucky, don't they? So he's a melted mess. Yeah. But those, I just think that I think the second film is. It's fun, it's funny, it's it's creepier than the first one because I think of the doll factory. So you, yeah. you, it's more mannequin mannequin esque yeah. um, because you've got all the doll parts. And I think for me, I think doll parts are creepier than dolls. Yeah. Um, but the the toy factory is really bright and colourful, and it's kind of like it's just got this real like fun feel. It's almost like a circus or a fun fair yeah. film. Because it's all uh, like the feel. good guy doll colours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, and the, all the boxes stacked up, creating that maze. That was really brilliant because like, they wouldn't be stacked like that's not practical at all. But anyway, <laughs> it's a base it's, it's of a maze. Anyway, um, you know, and the it was just you know a brilliant ending. You know, I just loved again and same same little boy yeah. is playing Andy. He's still brilliant in it, and I liked Kyle. I thought she was good, um, and Chucky was hilarious in it yeah. again. I enjoy the uh, school teacher murder. That was a good one. Yeah. He like taught again. He like tortures her and like plays with her mind, and then he essentially pumps air into her heart. Yeah. With a with a football pump. Yeah. I enjoyed they, that. Because they they blow him up as well. They blow Chucky up as well, don't they? So as he's all melting. Oh yeah, his tube. head literally explodes. Yeah, and they they put a tube in his mouth and like a big old balloon that blows up. So in the first one, he's been burnt to a crisp and shot into pieces. Lo and hold, he survives. In the second, at the end of the second one, he's melted he's and then like blown up. Yeah, he's like a pool of melted plastic, and he's exploded as well. 
Um, I wonder if he's going to come back to life again. So then, I mean, it was a couple of years later, I think, that the film came. But as Sonia said, eight years have passed. 1991, Child's Play 3 came out. Oh, so it's only about three years between... So Child's Play came out in 1988. Child's Play 2 was 1990. And just one year later, Child's Play 3 came out. But it's, it's for the film, eight years, yeah. eight years has passed. So this is where the the discrepancy in the ages came. Because I'm convinced they said Andy was six in Child's Play 1. Oh. Eight in Child's Play 2. I'm convinced they... Well, no, the reason they, they I'm saying he's eight in Child's Play 2 is because they say... Eight years have passed, and he's sixteen in the third yeah. one, so he must be. Eight I can't in the second remember one. an age being mentioned at all in any of them um, other than the third one. So in in Child's Play three, we've for the first time we're not seeing little Andy. No. He's now a teenager. And he's joining military school. Military school because he, you know, we st- still don't know where his mum's still in psychiatric care. Yeah. I, I'm guessing. So we don't see Andy's mum again. But he's been in and out of foster homes. He can't settle um, because he's still haunted by yeah. what happened, um, you know, with Chucky. Um, how did Chucky get remade in the third So one? in this one, because the time has passed, the company have decided that now is the time to bring oh, the good it. guy back. Um, so they decided... <clears throat> we're going... We're going... Because it's really weird because I'm pretty sure it opens with like... Like a board meeting With or a something. board meeting going, no, we're going to do it. And then it cuts to the factory and they're already making them. So it's like, yeah, so that was end, a pointless board meeting. At the end of the meeting, they present present him with... Or is with, it the third one where they start by killing the chairman? I don't know. Maybe it is. I think it's the third one. The second one, he's definitely like in the car with the guy from the factory. No, I don't know. But basically what happens is they make a new production line but they use the existing factory and you see him getting picked up like his his the, the puddle, melted blob yeah and as he drags across the vat of new plastic blood, blood from chucky in, falls yeah. in and then that's how he comes back to life and then it's cuz that the opening credits for that you just see like the plastic and the blood mixing yeah 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 and like a doll being made but like just out of plastic and then it just cuts to like the production line again i think we've got our um our openings, as it were, mixed up because they both the second and the third one both kind of start with the factory, don't they? I think the third yeah, one. Yeah, no, is I think the third one the is doll. the chairman getting yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the second one. They present him with the doll, don't they? Which he kind of like chucks in the boot of his yeah. car. The second one is the guy. Because um, the guy's like the in two of them. Doll. Yeah, the executive. And he's going home. It's his two week anniversary with his girlfriend. And he stops off to buy some. No, that's liquor. the second one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I was getting confused. I thought. The yeah. chairman one was the, was the second one, but that's the third one, isn't it? Yeah, still great kill. Yeah, because it's like the military toys, and it's a, like a yeah. a pretense to the military. Yeah. So anyway, he then chuck tracks down uh, Andy and by po- going on the computer. Yeah, posts himself to the military base, and for whatever reason, they decide to let Tyler, who is possibly far too young to be at a military school. Well, they do have kids there as well, yeah. don't they? So, so he's think- given the the parcel to give to Andy and as he's delivering it he trips falls and a little bit of the packaging tears and he sees that it's a good guy doll and decides to keep it for himself yeah um so he then runs off and Chucky almost immediately shows himself to him doesn't he because mm. he's just like he realizes that this is a new body so Tyler is possibly the person that he's shown himself to so he can take him over instead and as he says I'm gonna be a brother mm. because Tyler is a black boy 
Um, and it just seemed odd to me that a boy at a military school was all like really like, oh yeah, it's a doll. Yeah, so I, I found that really odd as well. So when Tyler sort of first come or becomes aware of the good guy dolls, so he's probably aware of them, but... Yeah, because there's a trailer, the film, an advert about it all. He's an advert for it. So uh, just quickly about that scene. So uh, my favourite creepy character in the third one is the sergeant who cuts the hair. Oh um, yeah, played by the guy from uh, plays Hellraiser. Larry in Hellraiser. So... Um, he, when they when they first turn up there, um, Andy's got this kind of like floppy haircut, and he's sent to get um, a flat top, basically, yeah. isn't he? Um, but the guy who cuts the hair, this sergeant, is it's almost like he's got a hair fetish. Yeah. And if you look, I mean, it's these tiny little touches. If you look around his room, which is like let's call it a barber room. He's got pictures of like the cadets, which I'm guessing is what they are, but with like locks of their hair. So if they've turned up with long hair, he's basically put their hair into a ponytail, cut it, and he's stuck that hair under the photos. I just find that so creepy. Because there's the diner, dinner scene, isn't it, where he's just walking around grabbing the hair, going, Come and see me on Monday. Yeah. But um, when we first sort of see Tyler, Andy's waiting to get his hair cut, and Tyler's getting his head shaved. And. Um, you know, and the the haircut sergeant is just sort of like rubbing his head and sort of saying something creepy, like, "Oh, there's no hair left there." Yeah. Now. And he's a proper creepy character. Um, and when Andy's getting his haircut, Tyler sees this advert for yeah. the good guy doll, and he starts getting excited. Yeah. And I remember thinking the same thing. Like, there's there's kids at this um, uh, military academy. Um, I mean, Tyler must be what about eight? Yeah, and there's kids there, and I'm guessing it's like some kind of it's used as not like, yeah, a, like a foster home, but like a boarding school for kids who can't get placed. But um, I still found his character to be misplaced. Yeah, um, and he's or his his dad's in the army. Oh, so maybe the little kids are maybe their parents are in the army. Yeah, maybe. So Tyler's dad's in the army, and he's there, and he's waiting for a letter from his dad, isn't he? And that's when the parcel comes. Yeah. It's like, hey, I've got a job for you. Go and deliver the parcel. And of course, that's that's when Chucky reveals himself to to little Tyler. Um, and again, I like the third one. I don't like yeah. it as much as the second one, but I think it's a solid. Yeah, it's definitely weaker. But then, I, when I was reading up about it, they started production on the third one before the second one was finished. And the guy who wrote it said, like, I was out of ideas. That like, I was just trying. He said, if I'd given me a bit longer, I would have made a much better film. But it was just like, what can I do that I haven't already done? Because like we just said, they made three of them in three years, essentially. Mm. Um, but the thing, it sticks with the non-CGI and practical effects. Chucky, again, Br- Brad Dourif's voice is just phenomenal. Um, I've throughout. actually written down one of his first lines is, don't fuck with the Chuck, yeah. um, which I, th- I thought was brilliant. Because I, I love how crass he is because he's playing a... Well, he's a middle-aged man trapped yeah. inside a, a tiny body, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just love that line when he comes out and goes, hey, don't fuck with the Chuck. Um, but I actually quite, I mean, story-wise, I, you know, because we're going to go on in the next episode, we're going to go on and talk about the Friday the 13th, yeah. the first three films in that. But I actually quite liked the differences between the first three Child's Play films. I actually oh, think, yeah, you can, although we've completely muddled the openings of two and three, yeah. they are quite defined different films. Well, the, you know, you've got, the first one is set, in the, in a home of a of a mother and son, then you're yeah. in a host uh, a foster home environment slash toy factory, and then 
to be in this like military environment for the other one where you've you've got a, a doll terrorizing these yeah military cadets you know and you just think what well, soldiers are never going to fall for the fact that there's an evil doll but actually chucky just wreaks havoc yeah because no again no one believes it mm. even in that like, the face of just like it has like how could someone else have done it but they just won't believe that chucky's done it i mean my favorite kill in this one isn't like a murder it's the sort of sergeant major of the base he basically gives mm. him a heart attack yeah because he's like terrorizing him a little bit and he's sat somewhere he drops him into the bin head first, yeah. as you said. He gets himself out and he jumps out with a knife and just sort of goes, ah, and the guy just has a heart attack. And, and Chucky's just there, they go, just like, well, that's a new one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that <laughs> and I was just really brilliant. enjoyed that. Um, my favourite kill in it, um, because this just goes to... I love the fact Chucky's always got a knife in his hand. Yeah. Um, my my ch- I've got a Chucky like figurine, like a little statuette, if you like. Yeah. Um, and when I moved house, his little blade broke oh. and I lost it. Um but anyway, that's that's nobody's problem. Um, my favourite kill in it is um, towards the end of the film, they have what they call, I think they call it the death games or oh, war yeah. games. Well, it's essentially like paintball, but they're using guns. Um, and well, you're either use... on the red the red team or the blue team yeah. and you get splatted with the different colours. But, but Chucky replaces these paint pellets with actual bullets. Only for the red team, Only though. Only for the red because team. So the red splat. So when they call... He gets. He manages to get hold of a radio and basically calls the two teams to the two place. The red team starts shooting, and because they they're killing people, yeah. He throws a fucking grenade <laughs> into a group of kids, and the weedy little ones, the one who gives his life for. And him. This, yeah, so he's this, just such a little prick, but he's brilliant. Well, so, so you got this like nerd kid. They call him Poindexter, don't they? And yeah. He'd gone to get a haircut, and he witnessed Chucky killing the barber didn't he yeah cutting cutting his throat like he mentioned at the beginning he says to uh when he's cutting andy Taylor, it's like the romans were the people that invented the short haircut because mm. it stopped your enemies being able to sneak up behind you grab your hair pull your head back and slit your throat but chucky slits his throat because he finds him doesn't in he? the he's cupboard yeah him, and he basically like he looks around and he sits chucky down and he's about to shave chucky's head and then chucky just pulls a, a fucking flick blade out and slits his throat so yeah, so Chuck is hiding in the barber's cupboard, and I found that I found the barber character quite creepy. Yeah. Um, and the way he sort of yeah, he pulls Chucky out of the cupboard and he says, "Oh, that's not a regulation haircut you've got there, soldier." And he sits Chucky in the chair to cut his hair. You think it's a fucking doll, mate? <laughs> Christ, it's bad enough that you're perving over these boys' hairs, but um, he goes to cut Chucky's hair, which been, uh, but then Chucky gets the the blade from the barber's chair so yeah. you know you got to think to yourself why is a barber uh, you know a, a, a military cadet academy where, where he's dealing with children why has he got a straight straight razor but anyway um, so Chucky obviously like cuts his throat and the, the nerdy kid witnesses it he's very troubled so but he's, re- he's almost like refusing to admit it isn't yeah, he yeah but he's witnessed Chucky do Chucky stuff so when he sees Chucky throw the grenade he gives up his own life to save his fellow cadets and he throws himself on the grenade so that's another death at Chucky's hands yeah um, effectively but it's the fact that Chucky has replaced the paint pellets with real bullets so has got kids to shoot other kids and then he throws a grenade <laughs> into a group of kids he, he doesn't does give not a fuck. give a fuck and I love it um, I absolutely love it I don't know um really how to class these films so I was watching them and I'm thinking 
I think they don't make me jump. Um, I'm not scared by Chucky. I 100% class them as horror films. Yeah. Um, they're like the Friday, the, not the Friday, sorry. They're like the Nightmare on Elm Streets towards the end. They are proper like out and out horror comedy. Mm, yeah, but the first the first couple of uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets are, are creepy. Yeah. That's why I say like the later Nightmare yeah, on Elm Streets. But there's there's just something so endearing about Chucky. And the fact that we're doing him first, I mean... It's because he's a doll. He's just... And it is... I think if you put another actor as the voice, maybe it won't. But his voice is just—you could just tell that Brad Dourif got the idea. Yeah. You can imagine another actor being a bit like, "Oh, I'm going to play him like this," where he's just gone—he's a fucking homicidal maniac. That's how I'm going to play it. I'm not going to give it nuance or anything mm. like that. I mean, obviously, we opened the episode with him laughing. He just fucking cackles. It's yeah. not like a "Whoa!" just fucking does not hold back, mm. and that's like the, the Chucky character in total. Um, and then the, with the film sort of coming towards the end so we've had the shootout with the real bullets and stuff and you kind of think oh the film's like winding up now but they end up all sort of like running away and ending up at um, a fairground a, a fairground yeah and it, there, there's real emphasis on how many people are there with kids there's lots of families there and there's lots of shots and lots of kids saying I love you mummy and I love you daddy and all of this kind of bollocks but they end up um, so the characters are Andy and Tyler um, are kind of like running away trying to get away from Chucky um, but also trying to get Chucky to kill Chucky and they end up inside like a ghost house yeah. like a ghost thing which is looks tiny on the outside but sh- yeah. massive inside and has what can only be described as an industrial sized fan with sharpened blades but and it's almost <laughs> got like a roller coaster inside yeah. of it as well but yeah long story short they end up on top of some scenery and below them is a very large industrial sharpened blade um, fan going around and you know, no prizes for guessing what happens. Our immortal little doll friend ends up falling into the blades and gets cut into many pieces. Some of those pieces explode. Is that yeah. just because of all the evil he's got inside Possibly. of him? It's literally like a geyser of blood, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and and that's where the film ends. Yeah. Really. Well, it, it cuts to like the police turning up as we're going, what the fuck? Andy starts explaining himself again. And he's literally like put into a police van and he's just like... I'm used to it now. And it ends and with it him just, being driven, just driven off. Away, yeah. Clearly going back to a home or into psychiatric care. And the and the credits roll. And that's, you know, and I guess yeah. at that point you think, okay, that's the end of Chucky. Of course, we know it isn't. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the end of that film, that's the end of Chucky. Um, yeah. And he's been on another great adventure. Yeah, he's had a lovely um, time. So that's our, um, I mean... I mean, there were another... That's the, first, that's the first three that we've talked about. I have seen... I don't think I've seen the most recent one, which is... Cult. Yeah, I haven't seen Cult. I've so got it. So it stopped being called Child's Play at this point. So then you ha- next up you had Bride of Chucky, which has Jennifer Tilly in it. And it's fantastic. It is fantastic. So in this, he's brought back in this one by Jennifer Tilly, who is an ex-girlfriend of Charles Lee Ray. She like convinces a policeman to bring her the the tattered remains and she stitches him up and this is where he gets like his iconic look where he's like got scars all yeah. over his face and he's been stitched back together and she that's what my pillow was yeah and she brings him back to life with more voodoo and they don't get on and he basically ends up killing her and putting her into a doll just mm. because he wants to yeah. <laughs> essentially just to like piss her off uh, the laugh is actually from Bride of Chucky that was at the beginning as well okay uh, that film what I like because I actually watched Bride of Chuck as well because I had time what I like about that film is so it essentially becomes a road trip movie mm. where they 
they the MacGuffin becomes a an amulet that Charles Lee Ray w- was wearing when he died and was subsequently buried and they can use that to go into any body they want it doesn't have to be the first body that saw them so they get Jennifer Tilly's hot neighbor to like deliver them to where he's buried and he takes his girlfriend and essentially they commit murders and this young couple are being like framed as serial killers because mm. they're everywhere the dolls are and I kind of like that sort of twist on it at the end and then that film ends with um because there's a a beautiful sex scene between Chucky and <laughs> what's her name it's not Tiffany sorry, mm. between Tiffany and it literally ends with Chucky dead and Tiffany mortally wounded and her giving birth Mm. and it ends with like this baby jumping at a man and ripping its throat out Mm. and then we go into Seed of Chucky where it's like them two settling down with a child who's like I love the cover of that yeah it's just them two looking into like a a cot isn't it and you just see this little hand holding a rattle and then you've got Billy Boyd who's from the Lord of the Rings films playing I can't remember the name of it I didn't get a chance to rewatch this one and he's basically not murderous in the slightest he's like really nice he doesn't want to do what his mum and dad do um and then there was a big gap after that and then we had the curse of Chucky which was almost like a soft reboot Mm. but it kept all of the core characters and then cult of Chucky is the most recent one these ones had a bit more CGI in them but they Mm. still put it back to it's a doll it's a real doll with animatronics people working him little people in suits and again I feel like it just keeps up that spirit and I actually like all of the Charles Play films yeah. and as we said there is a reboot on the way an official reboot and there is potentially a TV series with from the original people which I think that will probably be better than the rebooted film to so say if they don't get Brad DeRiff I will be very very sceptical of the new Charles Play film mm. um, so I have like got together like the box office and the budgets oh, okay. to sort of show how much money I mean, the thing that I think is quite surprising, so the first Child's Play film, which we had 1988, that had a $9 million budget. Wow. That's quite a lot. Seems high. I mean, when we get to Jason, you'll see there's quite a disparity between that. So, unsurprisingly, because the most recent Child's Play films, Cult and Curse, they were straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. So they made no money at the box office. They cost 5 and $3 million, mm. respectively. The fifth most profitable is Child's Play 3, which made 19.9 million against a budget of 13 million. Wow. So quite a lot of money thrown at that. Fourth is Seed of Chucky, which made 24.8 against 12 million. Mm. Third, Child's Play 2, which made 34.1 against 13 million. Number two, surprisingly, is Child's Play. That's not the highest. That made 44 million off the 9 million. And the number one bride of Chucky, which made fifty point seven million, against a budget of twenty-five million dollars. Crazy. <laughs> but I'm guessing that's having two animatronics mm. running around. So in all, it made one hundred seventy-three point six million against eighty million. So you can see why it's gone to like straight to DVD yeah. and sort of perhaps hasn't had the life of a Jason or a Halloween, where obviously they're on like thirteen and fourteen in their films, and Chucky's back on seven. But I wonder if, um, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't know if there's that much appeal for him with newer audiences. I don't, I don't know. Um, I feel like the two new ones have been well received mm. on like the thing, but I say it hasn't been at the cinema, so 
that hasn't really had the chance to show that, oh, look, if you put it on the big screen, people will come. Because obviously, a straight-to-DVD film is never going to make a buckload of money. Mm. I think I feel like they've both made something like five million on like the home release market, which is probably decent. But obviously, it's yeah. not enough to go, oh, we need to make another one. But if you put it at the cinema, people would probably go and see it. I mean, it. certainly people... Because if you've got a trailer of little old... Chucky running around... Yeah, but also, people that have sort of like grown up on like 80s horror that love those films, regardless of... I mean, I went to see the fucking nun from the Conjuring <laughs> universe. Do you know what I mean? And you know, hundred percent. If they put brought out a new Child's Play film at the cinema, I'm gonna see it. Mm. You know, especially if I'm going to see the nun. Um, it's also worth pointing out as well. These films suffered a little bit because of like real life murders, where Jamie Bolger. Yeah, Jamie Bolger. Um, although apparently that one was proved that they'd never seen Child's Play. That was just somewhat that people put together. It was just, but there was yeah. another one where they made a little girl watch Child's Play on repeat while they did things to her. And that sort of... So I didn't realise like Child's Play, one of them was banned for like 10 years in England. Yeah, so I, I was actually watching... I watched Child's Play 1, 2 and 3 for someone who hadn't seen them before, certainly hadn't seen 1 and 2. And they said to me, they go, wasn't this banned? And I didn't remember it being banned. And then they said, oh, I think it's to do with the Jamie Bolger yeah. murders. And I was just oh, yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. But it was never banned like Texas Chainsaw was yeah. banned. Um, but yeah, that kind of thing... That kind of thing for me is is bullshit. Um, yeah. Chucky didn't make anyone kill them. Um, so I think that's just potentially part of the reason why the demand wasn't there and people yeah, yeah, were sort yeah. of put off and even like the studios were put off making them yeah, because of that. Yeah, they probably just didn't want to be attached to that brand. It's like life imitating art, really, because, you know, the, the company in the film didn't want to touch the good guy dolls and then in real life, the company making the films just like, I don't really want to chuck, touch Chucky yeah. because, you know, Jamie Bolger. So maybe, I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think um, for people for people that aren't really as much into horror, but maybe like a little bit, like yeah. this is a good sort of like yeah way into it because I just don't think they're as scary as some of the other no, f- franchises that we're going to. I think be it's because Chucky's so like charismatic. Yeah. In the other films, like Jason, I think he's lovable. Jason, Michael Myers, they're like cold killers. They don't talk. They're just killing machines. Whereas he's got a bit of something about him. He's lovable. He is. He's a scamp. He's adorable. His little legs. One thing to look out for if you watch these films, and you should do if you haven't seen them. In every single one, at some point, he's kicking his legs, yeah. and it's the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. I love him so. And also much. worth pointing out that he does make a cameo in uh, Ready Player One as well. Yeah. Um, he gets the one F-bomb as well. It's fucking Chucky! <laughs> oh, yeah. I do love him. I do love him. Right, have you got anything else left to say on Chucky? Or are we done with this No, just that icon? I absolutely love Chucky. Charles Lee Ray. I say, I will definitely go and see the new one, but mm. I I hold strong reservations. Yeah, I I absolutely love one and two, especially I still I think the third one is a solid film as well. Yeah. For the first three. I, I like, like you, I like all of them, but I really... Rewatched one, two, and three, and thoroughly. Yeah, enjoyed. I'd, I'd forgotten how good two was because you always think one's good and then they peer off, but two is just so good as well. Yeah, yeah. I w- I would say number two is on par with, or possibly even slightly better than number one, but that's just my. Oh, I don't know. That's oh. just my preference. I really, really love number two. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm all done. Uh, social media stuff. Yeah. So we are theatrical cut pod on Instagram. As we said, we've put up a little review of me talking about the new Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker her first episode has just aired 
Uh, we are Theatrical Cut on Twitter, but we've done fuck all on Twitter, so we don't really... Not really worth following us on there. Uh, I'm prefax on Instagram. I'm prefax on Instagram and on Twitter. And Sonia, you are uh, Mallory underscore watches on Instagram. Don't really bother with anything else. And then the mother pod is T M T O O H on Twitter. No, on Instagram. On Instagram and T M two. No. Too empty. Oh, every time. Too much time on our hands. I'll get there in the so, end. So the mother pod is two empty. O O H. That's the number two on the Twitter. And they're also on Facebook. Um, they are. They're on the Facebook. We are not. So go and give them a listen as well. Um, but that's it for now. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week where we'll be talking about the Friday the Thirteenth. And Jason Voorhees. Hey. Mike drop. <laughs>